It's going to be an awesome Sunday. We're in the middle of this prayer series uh, called Howard Be Thy Name. Uh, and so I know school starts back for a lot of kids this week. Some of them started back last week. Uh, and so we're going to pray for those families as well. It's going to be a fun day. Uh, but we're going to start today out like we started out last week. We're going to open up by reading the Lord's Prayer together. The Lord's Prayer being uh, where that little girl thought that God's name uh, was Howard. So would you guys stand? you guys stand with us? Everybody stand. We're going to read these uh, together. It should be right there on the screen. It's uh, Matthew 6. All right, we're going to start right here. You guys ready? All right. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Thank you, guys. You guys may have a seat. You sounded good? All right, we're getting, we're getting there. Week three, maybe we'll be like really loud and we're all the way there, but you guys are getting better. All right, so hey, uh, if you missed last, last week, I just want to catch everybody up and kind of highlight what we've talked about because this series, we're really going to build off of what we're talking about. Uh, last week, we looked at some different attitudes towards prayer. Uh, and so there's the vending machine God. That's where we would go to God uh, to get to give us the things that we want. It's really God is over us. So if I could just press the right buttons, if I could just pay the right amount, uh, we will get what we ask for. And then we talked about the Advil God. That's when we go to God, because uh, we want him to cover the pain that, that we've caused. God, could you, we don't want him to really fix the root of the problem, but we want him to just cover the pain that we're experiencing. And we talked about how our prayers should sound more like us talking to our father than to a professor. We don't have to say eloquent words when we pray. We also don't need to just parrot the same words over and over again to repeat the same prayers. Uh, our prayers should be marked by sincerity and simplicity. And, and lastly, we talked about how prayer is a lot like a griddle. All right, we're going to run with this analogy every single week. All right? uh, when you first get a cast iron pan or a cast iron griddle, uh, you've got to season it. And it takes some effort. It takes some energy to get it where it's actually like this nonstick service where you can cook and it, it's nice. And it takes this a while to get this nice season, but once you get it, it gets easier and easier. And the more you use it, the easier it gets to maintain. And the same is true of our prayers. It might seem like a daunting task to have a meaningful prayer life. It will take energy and effort to get it going in the right direction, but it's worth it. And the more you pray, the better and the easier it is going to get. Uh, another illustration, it's kind of like mowing your, your yard, all right? Uh, you mow your lawn every week. You never miss it. Lawn looks good. It gets done faster and easier. It's not a ton of work. Anybody ever gone on like vacation or something and you come back and your yard is like a foot high, you got a bunch of rain, a bunch of sun. It takes you twice as long to mow, right? It gets overgrown. Uh, you can always get it back, but it's going to take a little bit more energy to do it. And so I don't know the state of your, your prayer life. Maybe it needs a good scalping, all right? Uh, maybe it needs some fertilizer and some water. But whatever it needs, I can assure you, whatever effort it's going to take to get it in order is worth it. It's going to be worth it. And so last week, we talked about those. We looked at the verses right before the Lord's Prayer there in Matthew 6. And this week, we're going to dive right into the prayer itself. You guys ready? Let's go. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 9. We just read this. Pray. This is Jesus talking. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven May your name be kept holy. Uh, when we pray, we should bring our requests to God like he is our loving father, our loving father, because that's exactly what he is. He is our loving 
father. Uh, Matthew 7 says it this way. Uh, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Uh, or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Uh, again, last week we spoke about uh, God's not a vending machine. So please don't take this next statement out of context of this whole series, okay? But here's the deal. God wants to give you good gifts. I'm going to say it again. God wants to give you good gifts. The same way you want to give good gifts to your children, uh, he wants to give good gifts to you. Uh, I have a good friend. His name is Chris. Uh, he spoke earlier this summer. He spoke, he's spoken twice here at Refuge. And uh, at one time, he was a kid's pastor. And they did this series uh, on prayer with the kids that he was over. And so uh, they did a whole series on it. And the last week, he says, does anybody want to come up here and pray for us at the end of service? I mean, you know, a whole series of solid biblical teaching on prayer. Uh, this, this kid, he's a fourth grader. His name's Nash. Shoots his hands up. He wants to come pray. And Nash, after hearing this whole series worth of biblical, just practical prayer, uh, he gets up and he prays. And Nash has one request. Super Bowl tickets for his family, right? Heard a whole series on it. Uh, I just want Super Bowl tickets for my family. Uh, and so my friend Chris, uh, obviously he's a little frustrated. It's like, what am I doing? I spent a whole series on this, and I still got a kid coming up being like, he wants tickets to the Super Bowl. You know, God's not a vending machine. God doesn't care about tickets to the Super Bowl. Uh, what's going on here? Uh, <laughs> the next Sunday, uh, Chris sees Nash. Nash is very excited for church. He tells Chris, and anybody who will listen, God answered my prayer. We got tickets to the Super Bowl. Uh, that week in between, Nash's dad called into a radio station, and he won tickets to the Super Bowl. All right, so hey, kids were praying some bold prayers in that kids' ministry that Sunday. Like, God answered his prayer for Super Bowl tickets? Uh, here's the deal. God does not want us to view him like a vending machine. You can't push the right buttons, put in the right amount, and, and get what you want. He wants us to look at him like a father, and a father wants, desires to give his children good gifts. I'm not saying you're guaranteed to get what you ask for. We don't get that. Uh, but I think it's possible that we've missed out on opportunities uh, because we didn't boldly put them before our Father in heaven. Uh, God wants to know what your desires are, what you want. And, and more than that, he wants to give them to you. Uh, we won't, we won't, always, won't always happen that way, but you never know what God uh, might do. Now, my oldest son, Cooper, uh, he really wanted to get a Nintendo Switch that was his. Uh, he was tired of sharing with little brother. That's kind of how siblings go. And we told him, fine, uh, he could do that. Uh, but this one, right, the first one was like the families and like they share it. And this one, if he wanted to do that, that was fine. It, you're going to have to purchase it yourself. Like you can go do that. And so he, he was all for that. He started asking for jobs to earn money. He's asking me and Kels, can I scoop poop? Can I do things? He's asking the grandparents. Uh, and I'm sure he's working that grandparents card where it's like, you know, I get top dollar for the jobs that I'm doing. Um, anyways, he's, he's getting close to having enough money to get the Switch. He, he's getting there. And the one that he's wanting is a newer one. It was like the bigger screen. And uh, they were a little hard to come by because they had just like come out. And so I'm looking at places. I can only find it online where it's like $100 more than uh, what it's worth. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to make this uh, seven-year-old pay more, like $100 more. We'll find one when it comes in town uh, at Walmart. 
Uh, and so my in-laws ask, we're getting close to his birthday, what does he want for his birthday? I'm like, well, some Switch games. Uh, hey, side note, if you see a Switch in stock, if you would buy that, we'll pay you for it, just so that when he gets there, we can, like, we can have it. I don't want him to, like, wait on it. It's his birthday's right around the corner. Um, you know, we'll, we'll pay you back. We'll take care of this. Uh, and Kelsey and I wanted to teach Coop this kind of life lesson, right? Want him to learn how to save up some money, learn how, learn how uh, you got to work to get what you want, uh, having a plan and following it. Um, the problem with our plan was my in-laws had a different plan, all right? Their grandparents. Uh, their plan was to be generous. And when they found that Nintendo, they gave it to their grandson for his birthday. That's his gift, all right? And so when we pray big prayers, asking God to do something just amazing, uh, we don't know if the response is going to be uh, kind of like Cooper's parents were, where it was like, hey, I want you to have this lesson. I want you to, uh, I want you to have this truth to grow into. Or if he's going to be this generous parent who's going to, yeah, I, I, I'm generous. He wants to give it to us just freely. There's no way of knowing how it's going to be. Uh, but I do know this. If you don't ask, you can't receive it. Can't receive it. Uh, believing God can do it isn't a guarantee for success or the outcome that you want. But not believing is a guarantee of no hope. Not believing is a guarantee of no hope. You never know what God might do. Just ask. Hop back to Matthew 6. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. So we have our good Father who wants to give us good gifts uh, that reigns in heaven. It says, may your name be kept holy. That's really just a way of saying, uh, God say, God's way of saying, don't take my name in vain. Let your name be kept holy. You're like, I don't want to ruin God's name. Now, taking the Lord's name in vain, uh, a lot of us think about that, and it's when, like, the guy's fixing the car, and then the wrench slips, and he busts his knuckles, and he lets out a GD, all right? I'm not saying you should go for that, all right? That definitely would qualify. But uh, taking the Lord's name in vain is actually a little bit more than that. It's attributing things to God uh, that are not in the character of God, all right? So uh, it's the TV preacher saying, God told me, if you send me $500, He'll bless you with 5,000. All right, he's saying something that's God's that's gonna be a gain to him. He's attributing something to God that's gonna be a blessing to him. That's, he's not really saying something that God told him. He's saying something that's gonna make him rich. Can I get an amen? Like, that's, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. It's a politician claiming to know Christ, uh, not because they're a devoted Jesus follower, but because they know they'll get some votes if they say that. They're using God's name to get a personal gain. All right, so that's what taking the Lord's name in vain means. So it says, may your name be kept holy. It's saying, I don't wanna take God's name in vain. Yeah, I don't wanna say it when I hurt my fingers or do something bad like that. I also don't wanna live a life when I say I love Jesus and I walk in a way that doesn't show that I love him. So may your name be kept holy. How do we keep God's name holy? I think of Abraham in Canaan. Uh, this is in Genesis, but everywhere he went, he built altars to God. Like they were just popping up all over the place in his time there. Uh, you can read about this in Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible. Uh, and as Abraham begins to do business with the Canaanites, they found him to be honest. They found that everything Abraham said was, was trustworthy. It was above board. And finally, they reached the conclusion that the God whom Abraham worshiped was a holy God. And Abimelech uh, said to Abraham this, God is obviously with you, helping you in everything you do. See, Abraham's life revealed the reverence that he had for God. He kept God's name holy. Not by necessarily the things that he said, but by the things that he did. Okay, so taking the Lord's name in vain, it's not just when you get hurt, it's by how you live. We can keep God's name holy by, by living in a way that matches up to his word. 
All right, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Pray to God, your Father, that you'd keep his name holy. Next verse, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love how Jesus sets this up. He says, uh, God, you're the Father, you're holy, your kingdom come, come, your will be done. Then he communicates his needs, the request that he has for God. Like he starts off by saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then after this, he communicates uh, his request to God. And I think, I think it's just a small thing, but we usually do the opposite of that. Have you noticed? Like we'll pray and we'll give our request and then at the end we'll say, but God, we want your will to be done. Like almost as like this asterisk or this qualifier. Um, I think there's something important there for us. No, we usually ask God for our needs and then we just put this like, eh, like I don't know. And I think what if we started off by saying, God, I want your will to be done. Now here's what's on my heart. No qualifications. I, I want you, and I think uh, if we, that, that approach affects our prayers. If we say at the beginning, and we mean it, that God, I want your will over mine, uh, and then you bring your request, I think that shifts our focus saying, God, I trust you, I believe in you, you got this, I want what you want more than what I want. If we start with our focus on him, it should shift and affect the way that we pray. I think a lot of times when we get that out of order, we're praying for things that we want, and we haven't considered what God wants at all. And that's how our prayer should be. We should say, God, I want what you want more than anything. And it should affect how we pray. He goes on to say, on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever considered the contrast of those two? In earth, you have chaos. Uh, heaven, you have peace. Earth, you have presidents and rulers and politicians, all kinds of stuff. Uh, heaven, you have one perfect king. Earth has sin, it has pain, and then in heaven you have this, it's sinless, it's without pain. Earth, we got tears, heaven has no tears. Uh, and Jesus is trying to communicate, communicate to us that we should pray for heaven on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. And obviously this world is not perfect, uh, but there are gonna be moments where we get glimpses of the future. We can see little things where it's like, man, all is right in my world. And heaven is perfect. Uh, and God wants us to have those glimpses here on earth. And uh, God's will, if we go back to the beginning, it says God's will. Right? God's will on heaven is operating to perfection. In heaven, everything is as it should be. Think about that. Even on earth, when everybody was doing the, living within the confines of how God said we should live, everything was perfect. We stepped outside of God's will, what happened? Things went south in a hurry. Here on earth, we don't follow his will. We go our own way. And to say, your will be done here as it is in heaven is to say, God, we need to do things your way. I don't want to do them my way. I want to do them your way because apart from you, it's meaningless. Apart from you, it's chaos. Apart from you, it's madness. We need to do things God's way. Keep going in verse 11. It says, uh, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Jesus prays for three things here. He prays for provision. He prays for forgiveness. And then the last thing he prays for is for protection. We're going to run through those. Provision. Give us today the food we need. Jesus doesn't say, give me the food I need for a week, a month, a year. He says, give me the food we need for today. It reminds me in the Old Testament uh, when God would give manna to feed Israel and they would have to get just what they needed for that day. 
And each day they'd have to go get just what they need for that day. They couldn't keep it. If they tried to keep it, it would sour, it would spoil, it would go bad. And I want us to think of this with the way that we live. We got refrigerators, we got all kinds of good stuff. Uh, the country that we live in, uh, we don't really think about the food that we need daily. Uh, we go to the fridge, uh, we drive through, we go to the drive through, we go to the store, we go to the restaurant, and we eat. Uh, and we need to eat every day to keep going. Can I get an amen? All right. Everybody, yeah, all right. Uh, uh, there is this show on the History Channel, Kelsey and I have been watching, and some of you guys have probably watched it too. It's called Alone. They just go and drop people off in like remote parts of Alaska and Canada, completely alone, just them and some camera gear. Uh, and like, I think it's 10 like things that they can bring with them. Uh, and they just say, all right, we dropped all 10 of you off different places. Last one to give up wins the prize money. And they have one goal live, right? They're in the middle of nowhere. Survive. They got to try to find some food to build a shelter, keep a fire going. Don't get eaten by a bear. Uh, it's, it's absolutely crazy. It's really fun to watch. But hey, they have to put so much energy into getting fed. And every day it's a challenge. Every day they're trying to find something that's going to sustain them. And for us, getting fed isn't something that most of us put a lot of energy into to making sure that we eat. Uh, we put more energy into what we're going to eat. Am I going to get home cooked? Am I going to go out to Mexican? Like, what am I going to eat? That's where we're at. Our energy goes there, not if we will eat. I think we've got to just pause there and say we're pretty blessed to live in a time, in a day and age, in a place where that's the truth. Uh, and Jesus is highlighting that uh, we should look to God daily to be fed. And, yes, I think that means uh, physically, having food in our bellies, but his main thrust is actually not talking about our, our physical appetite. Uh, the food you need more than anything else is time with the Lord. That's time in the word, that's time praying, that's time praising, just you need time with him. You need time with God. When it comes to being physically fed, we have a lot of options, uh, but has anybody ever been to that point where it's like you just get stuck and you just do the same thing over and over again? They built a Brahms around the corner from our house. I'm not like a gigantic Brahms fan. I have had more Brahms in the past like year since that thing has popped up than I've ever had in my life. Why? It's right around the corner. It's convenient. It's easy. You just get stuck going to those same things over, eat the same meals again and again and again. I think it's true in our spiritual lives. Uh, we just get stuck doing the same thing over and over again. And I think sometimes we're a little malnourished because of that. Uh, my prayer every single week uh, is that when you guys come here, you come to church, you go become refuge, that God's word, not me, God's word speaks to you and it fills you up spiritually. Uh, and there's huge value in attending and serving and being with other believers, uh, tremendous value. So don't hear what I'm saying at all about uh, devaluing the Sunday gathering at all. But here's the unfortunate truth. Uh, many people come, they fill themselves up on Sunday spiritually, and they try to make it one smorgasbord of a meal, right? That's two Sundays in a row. I snuck smorgasbord in there. I feel pretty proud of myself. But hey, we try to get one gigantic meal on Sunday, eat everything up I can. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to pray before service. I'm going to just worship, lift my hands up. I'm going to consume the word. And the reason they eat all that is because I know that's the only spiritual meal they're going to eat all week. Like they're only eating when somebody else is cooking spiritually. No, they don't want to step into the kitchen for themselves. And I think that's why the week, like the week, the work week, why it beats up so many Christians. It's not because people are punching at them. Uh, that's, that's just a part of life. Like there's going to be tough times. Because they weren't ready to take the hit because they're running on empty. They aren't getting fed for themselves. Taking one meal and trying to make it last a whole week. 
It says, give us the food. Give us today the food we need. The food we need every day is found with God. Talking to him, reading his word, time being still with him, daily dependence on God to satisfy our spiritual appetite. And we can't appease that spiritual hunger just on our own. We need God. So Jesus prayed for provision. Uh, and he also prayed for forgiveness. Uh, seeking forgiveness is something that many of us aren't good at. All right, Just like prayer, just like the Blackstone, uh, the more you use this muscle, the stronger it's going to get, the easier it's going to become. Uh, we don't really seek forgiveness with others, uh, mostly because the wrong we did to them was some sort of a retaliation of sort. Like we don't say, I'm sorry. We say, I know I shouldn't have. But when she said that, I was seeing red and I just barked back, right? Like, I don't know. We, uh, there's kind of two takes that we have a lot. We have the fake apology. Like, I feel, I'm sorry you feel, dot, dot, dot. Uh, that's garbage, all right? If you hurt someone, apologize, okay? And then there's like the curated statement. I saw this just recently. A pastor had a moral failure, and then he put out this whole gigantic document and said, well, I was taking medication and I had some alcohol, so it literally wasn't me. It was that stuff. And I'm like, uh, no, dude, you did the wrong thing. Like, just say sorry. So uh, can we do this together? Say this with me. I'm sorry. All right, look to your neighbor. I'm sorry. All right. All right, look to your other neighbor. I'm sorry. Hey, you guys did it. All right, there we go. And so we, we have to make it a practice of owning our mistakes because uh, the Christian faith is not one of saying, I've got it all together. No, it's God. He's the one who's got it all together. He's the one who's perfect. He's the one who never fails. We have to make a practice of owning our mistakes to others. When we fail them, when we do things wrongly to them, we've got to make it a practice of that. But we also need to make it a practice of owning our mistakes to God, to tell, to tell God, I'm sorry. And the reason many of us, we don't tell God we're sorry, we don't seek that forgiveness is because we have this feeling like he is going to be disappointed in us. Like when when you tell him that, like, he's going to be upset with me. And as a follower of Jesus, 100% uh, of the time, when you bring your failures and mistakes to God, his response, all is forgiven. Every single time, every single time. He loves you. He's a good father. It's forgiven. It's okay. Jeremiah 31, 34 says this, and I will forgive their wickedness, Focusing on this last part, and I will never again remember their sins. Jesus' finished work on the cross means that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees his perfect son, Jesus, and that allows us to have fellowship with God. The best part is there is no fine print. There are no exceptions, no caveats, no asterisks. When you come to God asking for forgiveness, his answer is always, I forgive you. So don't keep holding on to those failures. Bring them to God. Seek his forgiveness. He has been and will continue to be generous to those who seek him. Jesus prayed for provision. He prayed for forgiveness. And lastly, Jesus prays for protection. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Don't let us yield to uh, temptation. Uh, confession time. Uh, just forgive me as I say this. I'm sorry, all right? See, I snuck that in there. Uh, I have a problem, and uh, I don't, I haven't found a solution to uh, this, this problem. And uh, I look for ways to invite it into my life. 
Has anyone ever been to Nothing Bunt Cake? Yeah, they're super good. Uh, they have those like little, uh, the buntinis, the little ones, like the single serve. Uh, and this week we had the first day of school. And so uh, we got to celebrate with something sweet when you had the first day of school, right? Like they survived. So I bought five of them, five of the little ones, family of five, everybody gets their own. Uh, even baby girl, I'll split that one with her. You know, I will fall on that sword. Um, and so Kelsey comes home from school. Uh, she had some very thoughtful mothers of her students that I think gave her three more. I think they gave her three more. Uh, that's eight in our fridge on Thursday afternoon. Can I get an amen on the provision of God? <laughs> okay. Uh, now, the ones that I got, that's one for everybody, one for me to split with Kinley. We're going to go about 80, 20 on that. I'm going to be happy. She's going to be happy. I got the cakes. They're at the house, uh, but they're still at school. Uh, I'm hungry now, right? So what do I do? I eat, I eat one of those five cakes. I got mine. Kelsey comes home with the gifts that she got, uh, and I'm sitting there thinking, this might be a three-cake night. This could be awesome. <laughs> All right? And there was some temptation in my house to go crazy and eat too much, and I definitely did. There's none left. They were gone before Friday. We ate all of them. Uh, and so I was looking for ways to invite it, invite that temptation. Now, now eating a bunch of cake might not be the end of the world, uh, but Jesus said this, we need to pray that we would yield to temptation. Yield to it. I like how it says yield. It just, uh, when I hear yield, I'm sure you guys think the same way. The first thing I think of is a big old yellow sign that says yield on it. Uh, and uh, when you don't yield to a yield sign, uh, what happens? You're going to put yourself in danger of getting into a wreck, right? And when we don't yield to the temptations in our life, it can lead us on a path that will ruin our lives because sin will always, always take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. That's why Jesus is saying, pray for protection. Pray that God would give you uh, keep you from giving in to temptation. Because I don't know if you know this, temptation doesn't start out as something big. It, it's something small. It's not gonna hurt anybody. I can do this. And then what happens is it sets the hooks in and you're off to the race. Jesus is saying, don't take that first step. Right? Yield to that temptation. It might seem like a small one. But after you take that first one, the second one is that much easier. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Rescue us from the evil one. The Bible is clear that the enemy, he's, he's real, he is clever, and he is cunning. So why wouldn't you ask God to give you protection from the enemy's schemes? Uh, when you ask God for protection from the enemy, his temptations, you're, you're actually naming the problem. You're, you're naming the problem. And what... Uh, psychologists have actually seen this, is that uh, when you're able to put a name to it, you're able to have some power over it, right? to name it, to name the source of your frustrations, whether that's stress, anxiety, to name that thing, it gives you some power over it because now you know what they are. I'm not saying they just magically go away, but you know what they are. It gives you some power over it. Uh, it's why recovery groups, that's why they start by saying their, their name and then they name that addiction. They're, they're giving themselves power over it. I'm saying this is the problem. And what we need to do is we need to name the problem in our temptations and ask God for protection. So we don't give in to them. That gives us power over them. To name them gives us power over them. To name them to God, that actually gives us the power to defeat them. If we can't name it, how are we going to be able to tell it to them? 
We don't know what area the temptation is going to come from. How are we going to do that? We have to yield to that temptation. We have to say, God, help me not to do that, whatever it might be for you. As we kind of wind down to recap, uh, we need to pray to our Father in heaven. Pray big prayers. All right, if somebody goes to the Super Bowl because of praying today, I'm going to be like, what is going on? God wants people to go to the Super Bowl. Pray big prayers. He might not answer them, but guess what? You won't know if you don't ask. We need to keep his name holy. Our lives should reflect the Savior we worship. We want his kingdom to come. We want his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want what he wants uh, over what I want. Not because he's mean. He doesn't want to be mean to us, but because he knows better. We want food from him daily. Not, not just physical food, uh, but we want spiritual food that we need to be consuming his word daily. We need to seek forgiveness. He is always, always going to give it. He's not going to withhold that forgiveness from you. And we need to ask for protection so we don't fall into temptation. Uh, we're going to do something a little different right now. Uh, I want to end with just some, some time of prayer. Uh, so if you guys would just go ahead, uh, bow your heads, close your eyes. Um, and here's, here's what we're going to do. Um, I want to take a moment and just have you pray right where you are. Pray about the things that we've just talked about. Uh, pray to your Father in heaven. All right? Don't think about it in a fancy way. Just, just pray to him that you'll keep his name holy, that his kingdom would come, that uh, on earth uh, his will will be done like it is in heaven, that God would provide you with spiritual food today, that he would forgive you your sins, and that he'd give you strength to yield the temptations thrown at you. So would you take a moment uh, right where you're at and just pray. You don't have to hit all those. Just pray whatever God is putting on your heart. So take that moment right now. Just pray. Just talk to your Father in heaven. Friends, God is hearing your prayers. He is always listening. Don't make him wait days to hear your voice again. He wants to hear you all the time. Tell him what's going on in your life. Ask for his provision. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for his protection. As we uh, continue with this time of prayer, uh, just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, um, school is, is starting for, for many and uh, I can't think of anything better than, better than that to pray for today, to pray for everyone that affects. And so, uh, again, this is kind of unusual for us. This isn't normal. But um, if you're a student that is here, all right, uh, whether uh, you're an elementary school student, a middle school student, a high school student, a college student, a student of any kind, uh, would you just stand up right where you are? And don't worry, you're not going to be standing for long. Any students, uh, would you just stand up right where you're at? Thank you. Um, God has big plans for you this school year. He does. Uh, I want you to make sure you leave ample room in your life for him. Uh, don't push him out. As school starts and it gets busier and busier, uh, God's got plans for you. Uh, and now, uh, if you're a parent of a student, would you please stand? Students, r remain standing. Right, if you're a parent of a student, would you please stand? Uh, Parents, school can be a challenge. 
uh, can be a challenge for your child, would you encourage them? Would you fan the flame uh, on their passions? Would you help them to dream big and work hard? Uh, And most of all, would you make whatever your family does, would you make God a priority? Uh, I know the schedule gets wild with school activities and outside of school activities. Whatever season of life you're in, invite God to be a bigger part of it. You guys both remain standing now. Uh, Last one, if you were a teacher, uh, would you stand just right where you are? Teacher of any kind, private school, public school, homeschool, whatever, any teacher, please stand. Uh, Teachers, you have so much influence, so much And my prayer is that God would, uh, that you would allow God to supernaturally use you to just be a bright light in this world. Uh, You have a challenging job, but it is so worth it. So here's what I'd like to do. Um, In just a moment, I'm going to tell you guys to move, not yet, but uh, if you're still sitting, would you just peek your head up and, and find someone who's standing? Find someone close to you. You might have to move around a little bit. That's all right. Uh, And here's what we want to do. We don't want to miss any students. We don't want to miss any parents. We don't want to miss any teachers. Uh, We want everybody to be prayed over. So in just a moment, I'm going to dismiss you guys. And what I want you to do is go over and just to put your hand on them. And if you can't make it all the way to that person, put your hand on somebody who's got their hand on them. Uh, And I'm just going to give us a little bit of time to pray individually over them. And then I'll lead us in a prayer corporately. Uh, You can pray quietly to yourself. Uh, or you can pray out loud, uh, softly, if you're comfortable with that, whatever you're most comfortable with. Uh, but here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray together. Because as the school year starts, uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity to do good, and a lot of opportunity to be distracted from what God wants us to do. So uh, if you're sitting around, find someone to go pray for. Can we do that right now? Everybody stand up, go find somebody, take a moment, pray over them, stand with them. Uh, and then I'll close us and pray corporately for all of us. Take a moment and pray for that person. Make sure we don't miss anybody out. Make sure everybody's praying. pray for all the students that are here today. My prayer is that they would have just a fantastic school year, that they would learn, that they would grow. Uh, God, most of all, that they would be salt and light to the people they're around every day, because it's a unique opportunity to be in school, kind of rub shoulders with more people than you probably ever will. Let them be a bright light in this dark world. God, I pray for their parents, that they would be Uh, encouragers uh, and challengers uh, that their children need. We need both. That their their family, as their families move around and do life, uh, that they'd invite you to a bigger part of it. As the schedule picks up, uh, that it doesn't push you out, but God, it makes you a priority. Help them to see you every single day. God, I also pray for the teachers, uh, that they would have a great school year. 
that their students would be, would be challenged and the teachers would love their kids well. Uh, give them opportunities to just be your hands and feet. Let them use the tremendous influence they have to make an impact uh, in our community. And that impact is so much bigger than themselves. And God, help, help us, help everybody else in the room to be there for them to be there for these teachers, these parents, these students, to encourage them, to help them out however we can, to be a faith community that is for one another. And God, I pray for this school. I pray for Riverwood Elementary that it would be safe. God, that you'd bless the effort of all the teachers and administrators and, and help children to, to grow up here knowing that they're valuable, knowing that they're loved. And God, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with one last song together.